In this podcast, split into two parts, we're looking at efforts to control malaria. I'm Navjot Lada, Clinical Reviews Editor for the BMJ, and in this podcast, we're joined by Dr. Nafo, Executive Director of the Rollback Malaria Partnership. In this first part, we'll be talking about the recent successes in the global efforts to control malaria. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Nafo. Thank you. Um, can we start just by, if you just tell us a bit about Rollback Malaria, what it was set up for and what its goals are? Thank you very much. Uh, Rollback Malaria has been uh, set up in 1998 because at that time, uh, the level of malaria transmission was huge. And head of state, African head of state, together asked Dr. Brundtland to do something about some malaria. And she set up um, a cabinet project, which became a social movement, and now has grown as uh, one of the biggest public-private partnership in health sector dealing with uh, malaria control by bringing today more than 500 partners. So it's uh, really a vibrant uh, partnership with diversity and uh, where we really try to, to bring all together around a single cause, which is defeating malaria and going for a world free of malaria. And I gather that through this movement and through the program, you've you've seen a reduction in the incidence of malaria. Is that right? Absolutely. Mainly in the last five years, uh, we've seen a surge in resources going in malaria control. Ten years back, it was um, external financing for malaria control was around 200 million US dollars. Today, it's 2.5 billion US dollars, but it's 50% less than what is required for the annual resources requirement for malaria control worldwide. With this level of resources, 50% of the needed resources, we have to be proud that uh, we've made tremendous progress 30% 30% reduction in, on the deaths related to, to malaria worldwide. But for the African region, it's 50% reduction. It's huge. And this was done because of uh, the fact that uh, through more resources coming from the Global Fund to fight against HIV, AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria, but through uh, the contribution of uh, UK through DFID, resources through uh, uh, the US governments and uh, foundations, the development bank and the countries themselves, uh, we managed to be where we are currently. But we can't relax. Um, now, looking at some of the successes that Rollback Malaria has had, um, there have been a number of different tools um, and new developments that have come in um, over over recent years. Where do you see what do you see as being some of the the biggest developments that have occurred? Some of the most kind of useful and most um, effective interventions. No, oh, that's uh, a very important point, and. Uh 
developments, uh, research and developments uh, led to really uh, concrete actions and uh, also hope that we can accelerate malaria control. Uh, let me take the example of uh, uh, rapid diagnostic tests. Uh, because in the past, we used to look for lab workers, you know, who are well-trained health workers to be able to um, diagnose malaria. And it's only after that that you can provide the treatment. Today, with the rapid diagnostic tests, you know, even at a village level, the test can be done and in 10, 15 minutes, you have the results and you can treat the patient. I think that this has been a huge development and uh, that is helping in ensuring that the malaria, malaria is properly treated at village level. You don't need to have all the time healthcare workers. And that has uh, led WHO to promote what is called test, treat, and track, called the T3. So that you test, you treat, but you are also able to have um, appropriate and valid data saying that, you know, those are uh, really um, the real malaria cases, not counting on all fever cases mm -hmm. as a malaria, but only those that have been diagnosed positive. And that has been an important development. Uh, the second important development is uh, the fact that uh, uh, we have artemisinin combination therapy, which is a highly effective uh, uh, anti-malarial uh, treatment that is now being made available to all countries and uh, we no longer been affected by the huge shortage of artemisinin ANWA, which is the basis for the development of uh, those uh, treatments. And uh, developers of bed nets are also improving the quality of bed nets in the face of uh, the development of uh, resistance to insecticide. So that really those tools that are all uh, available today will uh, remain safe and effective. So those three uh, development for malaria control have helped us really to uh, move ahead and uh, to be able to go to scale with uh, low cost. Uh, technologies and uh, because if you look at the situation is that uh, one rapid diagnostic test is 50 cents and uh, the treatment is uh, around uh, one dollars uh, one dollar and uh, bed nets around five dollars so meaning that uh, really uh, the tools that we're talking about are not that expensive mm. and it is possible to raise the needed resources and to get rid of malaria. Great. Okay. Well, can you also tell us about um, some of the changes in policy recommendations that have occurred as well in that time? 
Yeah, uh, the, 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 the biggest change in policy recommendation is to not treat all fever cases as malaria and be able to, to test. That has been a big shift. And uh, in terms of uh, uh, saving vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, the treatment, it has also been very, very helpful because now you only treat malaria cases. Mm. So that has been uh, the, the one of the, the, the big important uh, policy decision. The second important policy decision is to go for universal uh, coverage, meaning to ensure that in each and every household you distribute two bed nets. Uh, that's also has been an important uh, policy direction. And thirdly, uh, the test, test track and treats has been also an important decision. So that uh, you don't do one thing here, another thing there, but you have a combination of the two, the three approaches that are maintained. If that is maintained, you can see also how and when your cases and uh, uh, deaths are uh, decreasing. That has been uh, an important element. Lastly, in terms of uh, larval source management, uh, the guidance that uh, the World Health Organization has provided to countries will help them to not look at uh, uh, the use of uh, uh, the, uh, the implementation, uh, the, the use of uh, larviciding as really the solely approach to be taken, but thinking that uh, this can be implemented only in areas where you can map the breeding sites. Uh, because we've seen an uh, increase interest in using larviciding for malaria control. People thinking that, okay, rather than fighting uh, the mosquitoes, better to kill them when they are at the larval stage. But in fact, the reality is that if you can't map them, uh, you don't know where they are the breeding sites. How can you use that as the most important strategy in your mal malaria control. It has uh, created a lot of discussions, but now the policy direction is made available and uh, definitely it will help countries to go for an integrated vector management rather than uh, really going for one or another one because the settings are different even in uh, in the same uh, in the same country okay and it seems that another knock-on effect from all of those policy recommendations is that the quality and reliability of data that you're getting and able to act on critical. will be much improved as well yeah and that is critical uh, because uh, when are you at the beginning of the fight uh, you know you have to go for universal coverage but when the transmission level will be decreasing, you have to adjust your strategies and see uh, 
where really you have the fossil areas, where you would need to put more emphasis. It's only with data, uh, accurate data, that you can do that. So that data is critical to, 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 to show evidence and be able to take decisions based on evidence. That's critical. For more information on the impact the Ebola outbreak is having on the prevention and treatment of malaria and other diseases in Guinea and Sierra Leone, listen to part two of our podcast.